Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is episode 444 on your Sunday night. It is September 18th, 2022. I'm your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you from the OTS Beer Garden. I want to thank everybody for joining me to close out your weekends on your Sunday nights, wherever you may be, man. We got a lot to get into tonight. It's going to be a light show it's going to be a little lighter than we usually go on Sunday night because there really hasn't been much news at all. There hasn't been a lot. It's amazing how we begin the second half of September coming out of the first half. The first half was like a, a fucking volcanic explosion. And the second half, not so much. Now, hopefully that changes. We got a big week coming up with Grand Slam. Lots of news and notes, presumably coming out of that show. It's going to be a big week. But I want to thank you guys for joining me on your Sunday nights, man. It's VIP only. It is VIP only on Sunday nights. So if you guys want to get in on the chat, you guys know what to do, man. Hit that join button. And it's a great time to become a member, man. We are about to unleash new emotes. Everybody loves the emotes. We got, currently, we got six emotes that you guys can use in the chat. I'm getting you seven more. It's unbelievable. And then you guys got those badges next to your name. Everybody that's a VIP gets those badges next to your name to show off your VIP status, man. We're getting two new badges now for 36 and 48 months. Fantastic. And you guys are going to want to see this 48 month month, 48 Month one, man. It is right up my alley. Right up my alley. Here's a, here's a little clue, man. It's not a microphone. I tried to get a microphone done, but they can't do what I want. So, we're getting something that is completely unique to all my members at 48 months. We got a big week coming up, man. We got a VIP meet, uh, meet and greet. VIP meetup. Right before Grand Slam. It's going to be great. And as you guys know, man, you know, the beginning of the show, when I ask everybody, what the fuck are you guys drinking, man? It's just a quote. I always got a cold beverage in my hand. I got cold beverages everywhere, bro. Everywhere. It is not just a quote. So I picked out the best place possible for everybody to eat. And drink right before Grand Slam. So Wednesday, if you guys are in the New York City area, if you guys are going to Grand Slam, we will be meeting at 3 p.m. on Wednesday at the Woodlot. That's W-O-O-D, like Kevin Dunn, Wood. Wood. <laughs> the Woodlot in Woodside, New York, on Woodside Avenue, 3 p.m. It is... Within distance of Arthur Ashe, you guys can get on the train, about seven or eight stops, you'll be there. 
You want to take an Uber about 10 to 12 minutes, you'll be there. It's great. So come hang out. There'll be whiskey. There'll be beer. There'll be non-alcoholic beverages. There'll be a catered menu to the OTS VIPs only. I'll be there with some merch. We got mugs. We got hats. We got shirts. We got the OTS title belt. For pictures, it's going to be great. So come on out. 3 p.m. Wednesday at the Woodlot. RSVP. Hope to see you guys there. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. All the links are down below for my social media. Go check out all the other content on the channel. It is there on the homepage if you missed anything. And as always, my great sponsor for tonight's show, man, Blue Chew. We love Blue Chew. BlueChew.com, code JD at checkout. Get your absolutely free sample. All you guys have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. That's BlueChew.com, code JD at checkout. And yes, prayers to Jesse, man. Jesse's going to be home hopefully soon. And I'll be, uh, he'll be back to making shitty tacos at home and rocking and rolling on the live streams that he does with the live reactions. Hopefully he gets home soon. Let's get into the news, man. I want to start at the top here, start with something light, and then we'll get into the good stuff. WWE figured that they would have Gable Stevenson on Monday Night Raw already. They wanted him to be the next Brock Lesnar. Now, I mean, that's hilarious. There's only one Brock Lesnar. There will never, ever, ever, ever be another Brock Lesnar. And there were plans for him to be a top star already in the company. Now, Meltzer talked about this a week ago. I didn't really discuss it because it wasn't really pertinent information. But Meltzer talked about this to begin the week. And he says this, and I quote about Gable Stevenson. He hasn't debuted, and they wanted to debut him at WrestleMania, and it didn't happen. Now, reportedly, there was supposed to be something with Gable Stevenson and Triple H at WrestleMania. Whether or not that would have escalated to a match, I don't know. But Triple H did mention it. And they were supposed to work together in some capacity. He was supposed to be fast-tracked to the main roster by now, says Meltzer. Like, come right out of college, win the NCAAs, which he did, and then go right to WWE's top level, and that did not happen. They are waiting for him to be ready, I guess. There's been some talk of him going back to college next year, too. I don't know what's going to happen, but he's training. And he's training with Ken Anderson, so we'll see what happens. Melcher then spoke about what he originally was told about plans for Stevenson, and he agreed that it was odd that he's training with Ken Anderson instead of at an official WWE facility like the Performance Center in Orlando. This is what he says in regards to that, and I quote, This is what I was told originally when they first announced the deal. It was that he was going to be the new Brock Lesnar and they were going to send coaches to Minnesota and get a place in Minneapolis during the wrestling season. They were going to have him also train as a pro wrestler, which probably wasn't a good idea to do both at the same time. But that was their idea and that he would do scattered Raws over the course of the year. Remember, they drafted him for Raw and he would make appearances and they would build it up and things like that. I remember they even showed when when the draft happened and he got drafted to Monday Night Raw, this fucking obviously staged 
and fake reaction like he was home with his parents. I believe he was, but like he was watching the show and he was like, oh, like a, like an NFL draft and your family's there and they're fucking cheering you on as you get drafted to the fucking team of uh, of your choice. It, it was it was so lame. It was so lame and, and ridiculous. So they drafted him to Raw. He would make appearances and they would build it up and things like that. And then he ended up not making any appearances. And I never heard of them sending trainers to Minneapolis. So things changed greatly as the year went on. And then he won the NCAAs again. And then he started training pro wrestling, but it was not in Orlando. As far as what's going to happen now, it's anyone's guess. So he did tweet out on March 7th, 2022, did Steveson. He seemed to be under the impression that he was going to be appearing on TV soon. And that has not happened. Now, I don't know what's going on. I, I, I don't really know what's going on as far as Stevenson is concerned. If he wants to go back to school, there's nothing that WWE could do about swaying his decision. I mean, it's, it's ultimately up to him. If he wants to go back to school, he's going to go back to school, and WWE can't do anything about that. As far as him not progressing, this is what I heard. As far as him not progressing, I don't know what exactly that means, but if he's not progressing the way that they want, Clearly, that would deter him from making it to television because they're not going to put someone like this with all this name value and notoriety and all these college accolades. They're not going to do that and put him on TV and then he's going to stink up the joint and he's not going to be presented well on television. It's going to be an embarrassment. It's going to make the company look bad. It's going to make him look bad. They're only going to do it when he's ready. And if he's not ready... You know, with all these hopes and aspirations, oh, he's going to be the next Brock Lesnar, he's going to be the next Kurt Angle, and blah, blah, blah. You can't put so much expectation on someone like that and expect them to go out there and deliver. You're already building him up as something that he's not, he's, he hasn't stepped foot in a fucking wrestling ring ever, ever. And you're already claiming that he's the next Brock Lesnar. How the fuck do you go out there and claim someone is the next Brock Lesnar? There is nobody in this in this earth, nobody on this planet that is going to be the next Brock Lesnar. There's no next Steve Austin. I love when they say this. There's no next Brock Lesnar. There's no next Steve Austin. There's no next Rock. There's no Undertaker. You're never going to get anywhere near what those men have produced, ever. So for you to go out there and say, you know, Gable Stevenson's going to be the next Brock Lesnar, going to be the next Kurt Angle. No, there is only one of these athletes and Gable Stevenson is not going to be the next Brock Lesnar or the next Kurt Angle. Those are expectations. You're putting expectations on him that he's not going to achieve. You're basically telling us that he's going to fail. That's their fault. And how do you think he deals with that? Oh my God, they're saying on the next Brock Lesnar. No. No, that's going to put doubt over Gable Steves, and that's going to cast doubt on his ability. We don't know how good he is. We don't know how far along he is. He may be fucking terrible. We don't know. He may be very good at what he does at this stage of the game, but don't start putting expectations on him because those are absolutely unachievable. Unachievable. I don't care how good he ends up being. Now, if you say... He could be the next WrestleMania main event guy over time. 
without putting a fucking name on his plate. Oh, he's the next this, he's the next that. No. You're already setting yourself up for failure. And it doesn't look good for the NIL program either. You know, he was definitely the holy grail of the NIL program, the next in line program for WWE, where they go out and they scout, you know, collegiate athletes, cheerleaders, NBA, ex-NBA, football, college football, whatever the case may be, bodybuilding, right? UFC, whatever. They bring them on in. They want to create these superstars out of nothing. They basically wanted you to not have any pro wrestling experience so that the WWE way of life is the only way of life When you enter the world of professional wrestling, they don't want you to have any. This was the Vince McMahon ideology. This is not Triple H. Vince McMahon wanted you to have no independent wrestling experience. He didn't want you from the indies at all. He wanted to mold you with WWE and WWE only being the way of life. Now, Triple H is changing that. He's doing NIL. He's doing indies. All walks of the pro wrestling world. Come on in. If I can make money off you, I'm going to give you a chance. If I see something in you, I'm going to give you a chance. Vince did not want that. If he's not going to be up to standard by WWE claiming he's going to be this and that and this and that, how does that make the NIL program look? doesn't really bode well for the NIL program. If this guy, who is the holy grail of the NIL program, doesn't make it a thing, and he doesn't go out there and exceed everybody's expectations... How much of that NIL program is going to be looked at, as a, looked at as a failure? That's my point of view. I don't know. But he should have been on television. And this is something, you know, oh, he should have been on television. He should have been in this. He should have been in that. Why rush the process? Why rush the process unless he has a set time that he wants to do this and then get the fuck out? So if he, if he wants to do this for two, three years, four, 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 four years, five years, and then get out, I mean, why are you already putting a time limit on something that you're not even in yet? This whole thing is a fucking mess, if you ask me. So that's the latest on Gable Stevenson. Not really good. And I don't think we see him at all. Maybe, maybe he'll be ready for the Royal Rumble. Maybe. Maybe he'll be ready for next WrestleMania. Maybe. So we'll see and keep an eye on that. Backstage news on big changes in WWE after Vince McMahon stepped down. This seemingly is always a talking point every single time Triple H and the job he's doing comes up. Many fans who have watched weekly television for the last two months have probably probably noticed some of the changes in the product, and there have been many behind-the-scenes changes as well, and these changes are being seen as a positive by the people that work there. PW Insider reports that the management change has energized the locker room and the production team And the average energy at WWE headquarters in Stanford, Connecticut is said to be much better for a very different reason. When Vince McMahon was running things, people had to walk on eggshells, and there was always a fear that if you put your personal life before the company, then your standing with him would change because Vince lived and breathed WWE every day, and his work hours were insane, which meant that you had to work insane hours as well. That is not how you create happiness in your company. Under Stephanie McMahon, Nick Khan, and Triple H, the level of stress has decreased and people no longer feel guilty about leaving work at a normal hour. 
The work-life balance is said to be much better these days. I remember reading that Vince would have people stay at the headquarters and write the fucking shows in the wee hours of the morning only to go to the venue on the day of the show, whether it's Monday or Friday, and then absolutely change every aspect of the show that he had them stay up for and rewrite. He rewrote it himself because he wasn't happy. He, he, he was talking to the creative team, had them stay crazy hours, stay late, work late into the morning, and then undo everything that they did. That does not create a great work-life balance. That does not create an environment that people want to work in. And people grew tired of that. Also, the keep your head down feeling that people had when Vince was around is no longer there. And now employees feel like if they run to someone from new management, they can have a nice conversation about families and personal interests. There is also more of a feeling that discussions can be had about concerns about the company. Prior to this Vince, with the Vince, you know, regime, the feeling with Vince her one staffer was that people knew running into Vince was like running into the T-Rex from Jurassic Park. You didn't want to call attention to yourself. That's funny. The only way the T-Rex in Jurassic Park, the only way the T-Rex in the Jurassic Park movies would know that you were there is if you were moving around. Sound. So that's funny seeing that Vince McMahon has a fucking T-Rex skull on his office room door or, or, or wall in the office, which I wonder who's taking over Vince's office now. Is Triple H working out of Vince's office? That is something that I love to find out. As for the creative team, things are said to be much better and there are no longer the feeling that everyone has to hurry up to wait for hours so that Vince can finish the meetings. Meetings in the company are said to be more streamlined and regimented and that the feeling is not by wasting so much time there is less worry about being worn out by the grind and more focus can be put on creative pitches and long-form ideas. Rewrites still happen, but it's very rare that the entire script has to be ripped up. When Vince was around, it was common for scripts to be ripped up and then the creative team would have to write the show hours before going on the air or in some instances, the show was being written as they were already live on the air. The more streamlined process is said to be one of the reasons why there are no longer so many rematches on Raw and on SmackDown. So obviously, all this is great change. All of this is great change. I, I, I don't know any other company on the face of this planet that had more rewrites to a show than a show under Vince McMahon's watch. It was disgusting. It was pathetic. And you saw, you knew, you knew if you were watching this product like me, as long as I've been watching this, you knew when a rewrite, something like that late in the game was happening. You just felt it. Whether it was a fucking rematch that we've seen for the sixth week in a row or things didn't really make sense. Things didn't make sense on a weekly basis, but there were some weeks where things just totally didn't make any sense. They went one direction last week and then a completely different direction the next. You knew that there was a rewrite happening. And I would usually come on Monday night and say, yep, this show was written probably uh, around 8.30 while they were already live on USA Network. It's not fun. It's not fun for us. I can't imagine the fucking process with those creative writers. Now it's more streamlined and regimented. Things happen when they say they're going to have it happen. Rewrites happen, but they're not 
rewritten during fucking Raw or SmackDown. Things aren't ripped up. This is all good news, and this is going to make everybody happy. People are finally in a position where their ideas are being heard, creative pitches, long-form ideas. They're not worn out. They got a great personal and work-life balance. They're happy to come to work. They're happy to go into the office. Their bosses appreciate them. Their bosses like them. You don't have to hold your head down while walking the fucking hallway to go get a goddamn cup of coffee. Because if you look at Vince McMahon, he's like, fucking Medusa, you'll turn to stone. Great. All of this is going to make for a better show. And it's showing. You see. They're not anywhere where they need to be yet. The shows have obviously been better. They're not great, but they've obviously been better. And this is one of the reasons why. Everything that I mentioned here, that is a huge reason as to why these shows have been better over the last two months. Backstage news on Bray Wyatt and the talks about him for a potential return to WWE. Now, there's this thing going around on social media. I I, I talked about this on Friday. Apparently, WWE is playing White Rabbit by Jefferson Starship at their live shows. Now, I've seen this happen Friday. They did it Friday during commercial in Anaheim on SmackDown. I've seen fan footage of it on Twitter. And then there was a show in Bakersfield, California, I believe, over this past weekend, Saturday, I believe, yesterday, where they did the same thing. They played White Rabbit by Jefferson Starship during an intermission. Now, nobody knows why. There was a report that went out on Friday. I read it on the post show. I read it on the live stream that WWE may be changing Karrion Cross's theme music to White Rabbit by Jefferson Starship because Karrion Cross was the White Rabbit in Lucha Underground. I thought about it after the stream was over. I thought about it when I went back and I read the report and I said to myself, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would they change Karrion Cross's theme music? Why? They did that already when Vince was in charge and they called him up to the main roster when Vince was there. They changed everything about him. So now Triple H is changing something about him under his watch? I, I don't really feel that's legit. Why would they change Karrion Cross's theme music? There's nothing wrong with Karrion Cross's theme music. And everything fits. The whole package is there for Karrion Cross. Why would they go and change anything? Now, why this song? Why White Rabbit? By Jefferson Starship. A lot of people are talking about this being teasers for Bray Wyatt. Obviously, the rabbit, we got the fucking rabbit in the funhouse. People are tying it to that. I don't know the lyrics. I'm actually going to look up the lyrics to this song right now. Let me see. White Rabbit. Jefferson. uh, Jefferson Airplane, I think. Not, Not Starship. Jefferson Airplane. White Rabbit. So... The lyrics go and read as follows. One pill makes you larger and one pill makes you small. And the ones that mother gives you don't do anything at all. Go ask Alice when she's 10 feet tall. And if you go chasing rabbits and you know you're going to fall, tell them a hookah smoking caterpillar has given you the call. Call Alice when she was just small. When the men on the chessboard get up and tell you where to go 
and you just had some kind of mushroom and your mind is moving low, go ask Alice. I think she'll know. When logic and proportion have fallen sloppy dead and when the white knight is talking backwards and the red queen's off with her head, remember that, remember what the dormouse said. Feed your head, feed your head. A lot of this could probably, a lot of this could probably really tie into Bray Wyatt. And I apologize, not Jefferson Starship. That's Orange Cassidy, Jefferson Starship. This is Jefferson Airplane. Same fucking shit to me, whatever. So this is Jefferson Airplane with the White Rabbit song, and this is the lyrics from White Rabbit. A lot of this could probably be tied, a lot of innuendo there about Bray Wyatt. Who's Alice? Alice in Wonderland, Alice could be attributed to, you know, uh, Sister Abigail, right? I don't know. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, Bray Wyatt just things and, and innuendo in, in those lyrics that I could see him. You know, it almost sounds like the song and the lyrics and the way the lyrics are, they, they, they come to you as if Bray Wyatt's actually speaking. Bray Wyatt always speaks in code. He always got to decode what he's talking about. So we will see where this leads. I, I'm not sure what this is, but a lot of people are speculating that it could lead to the return of Bray Wyatt in some way, shape, or form. When that happens, I don't know. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Bray Wyatt will be back in the WWE. There's only two things holding this back, cash and creative. He obviously wants to be paid. He knows what he's worth, and he's going to get what he wants. And there's going to be a compromise. If WWE wants him, then they're going to compromise on him on what to pay him. And then creative. Triple H, I don't know if Triple H is going to give him total creative freedom over what's going on. Clearly, Triple H is going to bring him in because he can make money off of Bray Wyatt. But he's definitely going to have more creative freedom under Triple H than he did with Vince McMahon. Triple H is not going to take everything that he brings to the table and fucking sabotage it because he thinks he knows best and his way is the only way. Triple H is going to be like, bro, listen, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I'll help you along the way. I'll give you my guidance. You go out there and do what you got to do. Let's all sit together. You come up with ideas. We come up with ideas. We mesh them together. It, ultimately, it's up to you. It's all yours. He's not going to have a difficult time being creatively free under Triple H compared to when he was working with Vince McMahon. We know this already. So Triple H is in charge. We all know this. And Wyatt's name has been brought up. This has been documented and reported over the last couple of weeks. Earlier this month, Wyatt reportedly received a serious offer from an upstart wrestling promotion. The source heavily implied that it was from actor and ex-WWE writer, Freddie Prinze Jr., who is set to launch a promotion within the next calendar year. In the latest update from the Observer Newsletter, Meltzer reported that WWE has held talks with Bray Wyatt. Meltzer wrote, regarding talk of Wyatt returning, there were definitely talks in that direction. At one point, the talks stalled, but it was said it was not a dead issue. Talks with him outside WWE have also stalled in the past as his asking price was well above what other companies were willing to pay him. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. 
They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When Wyatt was with WWE, he was among the highest paid wrestlers in the company behind Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. Triple H recently said during an interview with Ariel Hawani of BT Sport during Clash of the Castle weekend regarding Wyatt, he says this, and I quote, one of the most, and I mean this in the best way possible, crazy creative people I've ever been around. His mind just never stops thinking of creative but it's like being in a whirlwind of stuff without the harness and without somebody to point the tornado. It's just all over the place. He's a victim of his own mind and is creative, and it's just everywhere, but I love working with him, end quote. Now, he clearly didn't say yes or no, but at the end of the day, he did not say no. So he only had good things to say about Bray Wyatt, and I love the fact that he described Bray Wyatt as a whirlwind of creative without the harness. You're free flying out there, right? And then he says, without somebody to point the tornado or point in the direction where the tornado should go, it's just all over the place. So clearly Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon killed the fucking tornado. Vince McMahon was the tornado all over the place. And Bray Wyatt was the innocent bystander who had everything fucking destroyed by said tornado. But Triple H, he's going to be the one directing. Yeah, I, I love what you're doing. Let's contain this and then point it where it's got to go. I love that. Bray Wyatt will be back in WWE. You know, these stories don't really lend to giving much information out there. Talks here, talks there, creative here, creative there, cash. What he's going to be paid, what he was making, his asking price is too high. I said this then, and I'm going to say it now. Bray Wyatt isn't going to AEW. Bray Wyatt isn't going to Impact. Bray Wyatt isn't going anywhere but WWE. Bray Wyatt, with what he dealt with, especially now that Vince is gone, now it's even greater of an opportunity for him to go back there. And the reason why he'd go back there is because the way that they ended his run there and they ended his character and the storyline that is the most important. Obviously, he wants to be paid. Obviously, he wants to go out there and, and do what he's got to do. But Bray Wyatt, the story is most important to him. I don't think he's going to rest easy until he ties up the loose ends of the story that was told while Vince McMahon was there. Now he's got a greater opportunity to do that under Triple H. If he could do what he wants to do and tie up the loose ends there and then maybe go in a different direction or maybe just bring back the old character of The Fiend and just continue it with where he wanted it to go, that's what's most important to him. Clearly, he's going to be paid for his services. You know, I didn't like the fact that Bray Wyatt was not allowed to wrestle. It was this supernatural fucking thing that you couldn't really harm. Nobody knew what was going on. He was like a modern-day Undertaker. Was it the red lighting that they had during his matches? Was it the fucking mask? Was it the lantern head that he was carrying around? I didn't like the fact that they added so many supernatural elements to the fucking character. 
He was basically immune. I don't think that's going to go over well in the WWE. You're going to really put yourself in a situation where you're creatively going to back yourself against a fucking wall, and there's no way out of that. It's one way. And then if he loses, then all is lost, and you can't get it back. You can't really produce a character like that on television because it's unrealistic. I don't want to see that type of character come back. So it was a very one-dimensional character with The Fiend. And I didn't really give a shit about seeing fucking uh, Funhouse Bray wrestling. But Bray Wyatt is an accomplished pro wrestler. Bray Wyatt can legitimately wrestle. This is why I said I love, I would love if he goes back to the Swamp Man Bray Wyatt, Eater of Worlds Bray Wyatt. That was Bray. That is what brought a smile to my face. Seeing that. Him with Rowan and Harper and Strowman. WWE's had a lot of factions form lately. Groups of guys, th- uh, trios forming all over the place. There's a bunch of trios now on WWE television. Whether that's an AEW influence decision or not, I don't know. But I'd love to see some take on the Wyatt family back on WWE television. Whether it's Redbeard coming back. Whether it's Strowman being enlisted again. I'd bring back Bo Dallas. Bo Dallas should have been in the Wyatt family. From day one. And there were rumors that he wants to make a splash back in the world of pro wrestling. Why not bring both of them back? That would be great. That's what I want to see. This Fiend thing, I was never being on the Fiend. The presentation was great. The music was great. The vibe was great. But ultimately, the character failed. Because it was so one-dimensional. I want to see him back. And I want to see him succeed. Hopefully, we get to see that. But like I said, it's a matter of when. And not if for Bray Wyatt. Triple H, Bray Wyatt may not be the only surprise that he's got up his sleeve. Obviously, he's waiting for the right time. Triple H has more surprises planned that fans are not talking about. We've seen the likes of Dakota Kai, Dexter Loomis, Karrion Cross, Scarlett, Johnny Gargano, Hit Row, all come back to WWE. And Triple H's talent acquisitions don't appear to be ending anytime soon. In the latest update from the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer reported that, and I quote, we were told that Paul Levesque has some surprises coming who are not people being talked about. Now, Sasha Banks and Naomi, they're clearly two at the top of the list. Again, it's not a matter of if, but when they come back. They will be back. They're going to get everything they need to do out of their system, and then they're going to go back to WWE. They will be coming in. Mark my words on Sasha Banks and Naomi. The latest start to be brought back has been Braun Strowman. And he's going to be a top babyface on SmackDown. Gargano came back and he's going to be a top star on Monday Night Raw because he was a top star under Triple H on NXT. But, you know, you got your Wyatts out there. You got your Naomi's. You got your Sasha Banks, right? These are obvious, obvious returns. But the people that the community are not talking about. We have people like Bo Dallas. We have people like Bronson Reed, right? Jonah. I'd love to see Jonah back in the WWE. I'd love to see what he's accomplished. And some people may say, you know, I don't want him to go back yet because he's having such a great run in New Japan. He's still developing and finding himself working outside WWE. But if Triple H has an opportunity to bring him back and there is an opportunity for him to go back to the WWE, you don't think that man wants to redo it all, all over again? 
That man was released, not because of Triple H. That man was released because of Bruce Prichard and Vince McMahon. You don't think that man knows that he was a Triple H pet project and that under Triple H, if Triple H was in charge when he was there the first time, he would have been a major success on the main roster. And now that Triple H is completely running things on the main roster, you don't think that man wants to go back there? That man has something to prove. So we could see Bronson Reed. Somebody that nobody is talking about is Emma. Tennille Dashwood. We could see Emma show up in WWE. She's no longer working with Impact. And it was just revealed that she's actually dating Madcap Moss. So that would be great for her to come back to the WWE. And she was one of the founding members of the the women's revolution. She basically was there from the beginning of the women's revolution. Tennille Dashwood under WWE would be great. She was always so underrated. Always. She went and made herself an impact, and she did what she's got to do on the indies. And I think she would be a great welcome addition to the women's division. And you know how Triple H loves the women's division and wants to redo that women's revolution. Those are just three names that people are not talking about coming back to the WWE. There are surprises You know, Malachi, obviously everybody's talking about Malachi. What's Malachi's situation? We're going to go over that in a little bit. Malachi, there are people I'm sure Triple H is looking at on AEW's roster that he once had Swerve, Keith Lee, Andrade, guys like that. But those guys, we don't know how much they're tied into AEW as far as contract length is concerned. But the people right now that are available and free on the indies, working the indies right now, they, you know, people are not talking about a Tyler Breeze. We could see a Tyler Breeze back in WWE. He was at one point training inside the Performance Center. Whether or not he comes back to be a trainer inside the Performance Center or maybe he comes back and does something on NXT, they want to revamp NXT. He was was fucking great. Tyler Breeze was fantastic. So I don't really know why they let him go in the first place. So we'll see what happens there. You know, there are names that people aren't talking about that really had a solid stay in WWE and and that they were valuable to the company, but were let go. So the surprises are still going to be happening. And we will see them spread out across the rest of this year going on into the Royal Rumble, which is a a just natural, you know, event for surprises. We're going to see what Triple H has up his sleeve. We just have to remain patient. So I would love to see any one of those individuals I just mentioned, or all of them, come back to WWE. And I love how Triple H is out here just undoing everything Vince McMahon did. You know, like we said before, statements. He's made statements. He's not going to come out and publicly bash his father-in-law. He's not going to say anything negative about Vince McMahon. But, you know, they always say actions speak louder than words. And everything Triple H is doing... His actions are speaking volumes. And you know when he makes a statement. Just look at what he does creatively on the show or with a return. His actions speak louder than anything he could publicly say about Vince McMahon and the way he used to do things. So we will see what happens with surprises being planned. I hope to see them all. At the end of the day, it just makes WWE TV better. WWE may have new title belt designs coming. We talked about this, but now there's an update. There's an update that has emerged on new title belt uh, designs. 
for multiple WWE championships following Triple H taking over. After Vince McMahon's retirement, it was reported that Triple H was hoping to make several belt design changes. In a new update from Belt Fan Dan, who has broken many belt-related news stories in the past, new designs for both the men's and women's tag team championships are currently being worked on. The WWE Tag Team Championship will have a black strap and a large WWE logo on the center plate. The Women's Tag Team Championship belts will soon have colored backing. Belt Fan Dan wrote this, and I quote, New WWE Tag Belts are described to me as being the existing design, dual-plated black strap, and having a stacked large WWE logo in the center. They also have the old, never-used tags, which are the women's tag team style on colored straps. Women's belts getting colored backing soon. Initially working, um, you know, with the belt designs, you know, Vince McMahon, I don't know who they had working with the belt designs back in the day, but I love the old belt designs. I, I wish it was just a thing where we would take the older designs and take an idea from the older designs and make them a little bit more modernized for the current belts on WWE television right now. So from what I read here, they're not doing the Raw and SmackDown Tag Team Championships. They're just doing one set of Tag Team Championships, which hopefully, if I could read, hopefully I'm not reading too much into this, but if they're doing one set of WWE Tag Team Championships that have a black strap and a large WWE logo on the center plate, that would mean to me that we're getting one tag team championships and we're doing away with the dual championships that the Usos are carrying around right now. No more Raw and SmackDown tag team titles, just one set of universal tag team titles. So they will finally, from what I'm reading here, I could be wrong, I hope I'm not, that we're getting finally a unified title. The WWE tag team titles. No longer Raw, no longer SmackDown, which would then mean... That the tag team division on the men's side would operate like the women's tag team titles, which I don't believe we need, but I love the fact that they allow the women's tag team titles to go to Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. I'd love to see something like that with the men. I, I never understood this, why the women are allowed to go to any brand they want, and the, the, the men here, they're, they're operating on both shows anyway. They're on Raw, they're on SmackDown, so why not just create one title and have the tag team titles float between Raw and SmackDown. That's it. So you have the tag team division without actually saying it. You have one universal tag team division where any one of those teams can show up on the other show. They're not destined to one show. This is great news. This is what I asked for since 2016. I've been asking for this. So I'm glad that we could finally potentially be seeing something like that. Now, the Intercontinental title, I, I don't really think the Intercontinental title now is a bad design. Obviously, it's not my preferred design. I mean, you don't really need to do anything there. Just bring back the old Intercontinental Championship. They got it. It's in the vault. It's in the vault somewhere. Just bring it back. The WWE Championships, they should do the same thing. Really. We don't need a universal championship. We, we never needed two world championships. If they want, and we will talk about this, if they want Roman Reigns to give up one belt, then give up one belt. If not, and you want him champion going into WrestleMania, then you should really just unify the titles and create a brand new world championship. Slowly end the brand split once and for all. That's what I would love to see have happen, but we're not going to get that. 
We're not going to get, as long as WWE is operating on NBCU and Fox, we're not going to get an end to the brand split. So that may be out of the discussion. Creating one championship, there will be two world championships. It's easy to get away with it when it's the tag team titles. But the world championships, no. But I would bring back a WWE championship very reminiscent of the winged eagle or, or, or something along those lines. Not exactly the winged eagle belt, but something along those lines to fit it into the modern WWE environment. Belts, very important. I used to watch these shows. I used to watch these shows, and, and I know you guys are the same way. I used to watch these shows, and I used to see the glistening of the intercontinental title on Bret Hart and on Mr. Perfect and on Rick Rude and on, you know, Razor Ramon, right? Shawn Michaels. I used to see the Intercontinental title on these guys, and I'm like, oh, man, I just want to touch it. I want to reach through the fucking television and touch, man. You, As a kid, you wanted it. As a kid, you wanted to be that. Does anybody get a sense of watching the shows, watching these guys perform and looking at those championship belts? Does anybody get a sense of that? No. I don't. These belts are hideous. The big, the big W on the belts. Oh, my God. Every belt looks exactly the same. This is why I love the AEW belt design so much. They look prestigious. The world title looks like a world fucking championship that you'd be proud to carry. If you're not proud to carry it, what the fuck do you want it for? What do you want to go and wrestle for? Your belt looks exactly like my belt, but it's a different fucking color because you're on SmackDown, the blue brand, and I'm on the red brand, so I got a red title. You fucking break. That's so stupid. So stupid. This is what I said the last time we talked about this. If you're if you're a champion on Raw and you look at Roman Reigns carrying around the Universal title because it's fucking blue, what makes you stand out better than Roman Reigns? What makes you different from Roman Reigns? I got the same fucking title. It's only a different color. So stupid. They should be different. If you want two world championships, they, they should be two different world championships. I'm not saying you can't have a Universal title, but don't make the WWE title look like the Universal title with a black fucking strap. So stupid. So hopefully belt designs are getting changed. They all need to be changed. The women's titles need to be changed. The U.S. title needs to be changed. It's ugly. The old design of the U.S. title looks better than the new design. The IC title, not as good as the older designs, but bring back the old, bring back the white strap that Cody Rhodes used to wrestle with. That's it. Very simple. Monday Night Raw. Everybody was talking about Monday Night Raw. And the ratings, how would Triple H do against his first week up against Monday Night Football? Not good. Monday Night Raw got destroyed by Monday Night Football. The Broncos and Seahawks did over 18 million viewers and over a 3.0 in the demo. Monday Night Raw, 1.709. This is down. From the 2.054 million viewers the show did one week ago. So the demos, not good either. 0.44. This is down from a 0.58. The show went up against Monday Night Football, like I said, which was the Broncos and the Seahawks, 18 million viewers. Hour one did 1.783. Hour two did 1.821. And then hour three bombed. At 1.525, Raw was ranked number seven in the cable top 150. They were number two last week. WWE were actually expecting the viewership number to be even lower than the 1.709 uh, million the show drew on Monday night. 
Now, I don't know why they expected it to be low. I mean, that's pretty fucking low. And they expected it to be lower than the 1.709. It's it's almost like they, they said that because they wanted to justify that they did a good rating going up against Monday Night Football, and they did not. This is not Vince McMahon. This is not Bruce Pritchard running the show. This is Triple H, where the show has been largely better than what we've been given with Vince and Bruce booking the show. Don't downsell or downgrade yourself. Don't, 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 don't make yourself look weak. Oh, we expected it to be worse. Why? If you put on a good show, that's what you should be fucking focused on. Put on a good show. There's nothing you can do about Monday Night Football. Put on the best show possible. Continue to put on the best show possible. Continue to be, you know, going out there, creatively writing and giving us the best show that you possibly can so that the ratings don't get worse. See, Vince McMahon used to roll over and die going up against Monday Night Football. He didn't do anything to really combat Monday Night Football. He knew nobody was going to give a shit going up against Monday Night Football, and he booked the show as such. That's not what Triple H needs to do. He needs to give people reason to watch. So I don't want Triple H to roll over and die because it wasn't a 2-1 like he's been getting. Don't let that deter you from writing a good show. Continue to write, and people will eventually watch. 1.7 is not a good rating. For the quality of the show, it's not a good rating. But when you do 18 million on Monday Night Football, it's tough to really, you know, go out there and continue the success that you had before this week. So we will see what happens. And I hope that Triple H is not really taken aback by this and hurt by this. And, you know, his uh, creativity isn't hurt by this. I want him to continue to go out there and do what he needs to do. People will watch, and people do care, really. NXT. NXT seems to be going up. I don't know why, but the show is drawing the highest viewership it has done since October 2021. NXT 2.0. 728,000 live viewers on the USA Network. This is up from the 684,000 the show did a week ago. 0.15 rating in the 18-49 to 49 demo. And a 0.16 rating uh, the show did one week ago, so that was a little bit down. Uh, This was the highest total viewership since October 26, 2021. It ranked number 14 in the cable top 150 for the night. That was obviously down from last week, which was a number 12. I don't know what's going on with NXT, but I I think it has to do with a lot of the NXT UK folk coming over. Um, You know, you got Ricochet, and you got some of the main roster ladies working NXT. I don't know what's going on there. And then you got the potential of Triple H obviously taking control of Monday night and Friday night. And now we're all anticipating, is he going to work on Tuesday? What's going to happen with Tuesday? This may be a case, because the show has been terrible. The show sucks. The show is boring. This week's show was not good. The show is not good. On a weekly basis. It's fucking garbage. So I don't know why it drew the highest rating it did in almost a year. When this show on Tuesday night, this viewer's choice bullshit, it was lame. It was lame. The only thing worth watching was Solo Sokoa Carmelo Hayes at the end. And then that steel cage match with the Kree brothers and pretty deadly. That was it. That was it. Everything in between was fucking terrible. A lot of this probably has to do with the waiting around to see what Triple H does to change NXT. And we finally got that at the end of Tuesday's show. Triple H and NXT unveiled a brand new NXT logo, which 
has done away with the Fruity Pebbles, Fruit Loop colors. No more Toucan Sam flying around the Performance Center. We're not going to get fucking uh, Fruity Pebbles and the fucking Flintstones rolling into the WWE Performance Center either. They've done away with that hideous logo, that multicolored logo. Instead, we got something that resembles the old NXT. It's not exactly black and gold, but it's black trim with white and gold. So that is gone. The Fruity Pebbles logo is gone. I don't know what's to come. Apparently, they taped last week's, uh, they, they taped next week's show this week. So, this Tuesday show will not be live. And I'm assuming they did that because they're getting everything ready for the revamp of this NXT, whether it's NXT 2.5 or NXT 3.0, whatever the fuck they're going to call it. Just NXT from now on. They're doing away with the 2.0 moniker. They're probably getting the Performance Center ready to fit the theme of what they want the show to look like with the unveiling of the new logo. So, they say goodbye to NXT 2.0. They introduced this new logo at the end of the show after Solo Sokoa won the NXT North American Championship. This is what people have been asking for. This is what people have wanted. A change to NXT. According to Vic Joseph, this is funny. According to Vic Joseph, the people inside the Performance Center, when they unveiled his logo, they continued to chant black and gold, black and gold for about a good six to seven minutes after the show went off the air. The people inside that performance center don't know jack shit. I guarantee you the people that used to watch Black and Gold don't know jack shit about Black and Gold. These people that watch this NXT show should not be chanting Black and Gold. They don't know anything about what NXT used to be because they're the ones there every week foolishly chanting on and cheering on all the fucking obvious garbage that this show has given us over the last year, and now you're chanting black and gold? No. That doesn't sit well with me. At all. You're there every fucking week on a free ticket because they'd actually be out of their fucking mind to charge you to go watch this bullshit every fucking Tuesday on a free ticket, and you're there cheering this obvious garbage Yet you want to come out and start chanting black and gold, black and gold for a good six or seven minutes. No. No. That, to me, is a fake fan. That's not a fan of the black and gold that I remember. The fans from Full Sail and the fans that attend these shows at the Performance Center are two completely different crowds. Two completely different crowds. They don't even even resemble real human beings on a weekly basis. That's how fucking lame they are. If everybody thinks black and gold is coming back, you are sadly mistaken. And I said this on an extra I did on Wednesday. You guys can go back and listen to it. 20 minutes. NXT black and gold is dead. Black and gold was something special. All because you changed the logo to resemble old NXT, and it's now white and gold with black trim, People are thinking that we're getting black and gold back. No, you're not. No, you're not. I'm the first person to tell you that this is not black and gold. It will not be anything close to black and gold. Black and gold was more than just a logo. Black and gold was attitude. Black and gold was ambiance. 
Black and Gold was who Triple H had hired to write this show on a weekly basis. Black and Gold was in two hours. Black and Gold was on the WWE Network. Black and Gold was long-term booking. None of what I just mentioned has been seen in the last year on NXT 2.0 television. And you're not going to get any of that back at the level that it was on Tuesday nights with this new revamped NXT because they changed a fucking logo. That performance center is the bane of NXT's existence. What they did to that show was fucking embarrassing. It was pathetic. They should be ashamed of themselves as to what they did to that performance center. If I wanted to watch Monday Night Raw, I'd watch Monday Night Raw. They brightened the fucking place up. The lights are blaring. The colors are fucking fruitful. It's, it's, it's terrible. It was more reminiscent of a fucking Saturday morning cartoon than it was a professional wrestling show. Now, there were elements of the show that I liked. There were characters and performers on the show that I liked. A handful of them. Most of them shouldn't even be on fucking television. Lash Legend shouldn't be on television. Half of that women's division shouldn't be on fucking television. I don't know how you guys feel, but that's the way I feel. Triple H never put anybody on television unless they were ready for television. Here we have Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard giving us new names constantly every fucking week and throwing shit at the wall, expecting something to stick. And at the end of the day, nothing stuck around. Nothing was sticking to those walls outside of the norm. Braun Breaker, you got your Carmelo Hayes and your Tony D'Angelo's and your Santos Escobar's and your Cameron Grimes, L.A. Knight when he was there. Those are all black and gold. Most of those guys were black and gold. Then they got taken out of black and gold, put on this new fucking 2.0, and they're, they're the guys that stuck out. Meanwhile, WWE was throwing a Von Wagner out there, and they were throwing a Lacey, oh, not Lacey Evans, uh, uh, J.C. Jane and Toxic Attraction and Ariana Grace and Nikita Lyons and Lash Legend and fucking all this other, Joe Gacy. None of it stuck. None of it. The creeds, the fucking fake smoking guns out there. I mean, Ivy Nile, all these, all these acts that did not resonate with the audience. Their ideologies about getting rid of all the veterans and giving you developmental, the way developmental should have been, killed the fucking show. You killed the entire NXT concept. This isn't NXT. That's not the NXT that I want. It's not the NXT what that was making the WWE a better place. WWE basically took it back to its fucking uh, before NXT days when it was FCW. It's not what I wanted. It's not what I thought was best for business. What you needed to do was give you, or they needed to give us a, a mixture of veteran and, and youthful talent mixed. And 90% new upcoming stars that barely even fucking deserve to be on television. And then a mixture of the old NXT black and gold guys to get the young talent over, but it wasn't really working out. It wasn't working out at all. The colors, the vibe, the audience, this and that, it's... I mean, you you dirtied the show up to make it more of a main roster presentation, but that's the reason why we all fucking hated the show, and they didn't understand that. 
What was the what, what was one of the main reasons why you loved NXT? It's dark grunginess. It's metal, you know, feeling right. It was it was the land of fucking dark and dungy basements with fucking hard rock and heavy metal, right? That's what I want out of my pro wrestling. Here we got fucking downside slang or southside slang, whatever the fuck they got going on with the goddamn theme music. They got the colorful fucking lights and the the logo and this and that. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ, how to kill a brand in fucking 10 seconds. That's what Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon did. Basically, they shit all over the brand and they laughed while doing it. It was disgusting. That Full Sail crowd was fucking great. I was there. I went to Full Sail. I was there for a whole set of tapings. Four weeks of tapings I sat through. I loved it. Everything about it is exactly what I love about professional wrestling. They did away with all that. Then there's rumors that TakeOver's coming back. TakeOver. You mean to tell me you want to bring TakeOver back and then operate TakeOver outside the fucking performance center? You got to be fucking joking me with that news article. You want to bring TakeOver back, but then put it inside the performance center? No. Now, TakeOver, first of all, you're not selling out of Barclays Center with this fucking roster. I'll tell you that right now. Black and gold is dead. Black and gold was Adam Cole and Ricochet and the Viking Raiders and, and the Street Profits and Matt Riddle and Malachi and Andrade and Champa and Nikki Cross and fucking Bianca. Everything that was black, Velveteen Dream, asshole that he may be, Velveteen Dream was black and gold, right? Everything about black and gold. You sold out Barclay Center with those guys because they had name value coming on in to the WWE. You got nobody there now with name value. Nobody. You're starting all over again. But that doesn't mean you need to keep takeover uh, inside the performance and you can go out. And somebody mentioned to me, Somebody mentioned to me on one of the live streams, what about takeover at a Hammerstein ballroom? Somebody mentioned this, on, I believe, on a Monday Night Raw review in, in the Super Chats. What about a Hammerstein ballroom in New York? J.D., would you go to a takeover inside the Hammerstein ballroom? Absolutely, I would. Those are the type of places that WWE needs to go. I'm not asking them to sell out 14,000, 13,000 seats at a Barclays Center. It's not going to be possible with this roster. Maybe a year or two, three years from now, when they bring in some notable indie names and get back to where they used to be. Then we can maybe start calling it somewhat of the black and gold, but not with this roster. 2,000, 3,000 seats outside of Orlando, outside of Winter Park. That's what needs to happen. Otherwise, don't even bother calling it TakeOver because it's not going to resemble TakeOver in any which way at all. So you can keep that shit. You want to call it TakeOver? Do what needs to be done. You want to call it just NXT Halloween Havoc? By all means, do it inside the Performance Center. But you're never going to grow the brand outside of what it is now if you stay inside the Performance Center. Another thing that hurt all this NXT bullshit was they constantly put all these fucking people that don't belong on TV on TV. Nobody's going to be invested in them. Nobody's going to watch them. Nobody's going to want to watch them weekly. The matches were fucking terrible, and we all watch NXT because of quality of in-ring content. The quality of the in-ring content took a fucking hit when Santos Escobar and Carmelo Hayes were not in the fucking ring. You can't rely on just those guys. You got to get everybody up to snuff. This is why the pandemic did a lot of harm to NXT as well. They took the live touring of NXT away from everybody, and that's where those people need to go and shine on the live tour circuit. 
Get a Lash Legend more reps in the ring. They don't need to get live reps on fucking Tuesday night. I don't want to see that. Get Nikita Lyons live reps at a, at a live show. I don't want to see her when she's barely ready to be in ring on Tuesday night. Some of you may disagree with that, but that's your, that, that's your prerogative. And, and so on and so forth with everybody else. You guys know Ariana Grace and all these fucking women. J.C. Jane and Gigi Dolan. Toxic attraction, not even up to standard. They're great characters on TV, but they're not up to standard. They, they don't know how to wrestle. They're terrible. This NXT revamp is not going to mean going back to black and gold. It's not. So if you guys are thinking that you're getting black and gold when they redo the Performance Center and we go back to live television on Tuesday nights a week from now, you're going to be highly disappointed. Black and gold was attitude. Black and gold was what the in-ring product presented to us. Black and gold was one hour on the WWE Network when WWE taped these shows once every month to give you guys long-term booking the best way possible. Building characters and building feuds, takeovers that legitimately lasted fucking two hours at the best content possible, with the best matches possible, and the best talent possible, the best storylines possible. Triple H is not going to give you black and gold, and I think everybody should really understand that. Takeovers, I don't want to see takeover back unless they are launching takeover outside of Orlando, Florida. That's the best thing that needs to be done. So this Halloween Havoc show, whether it's a takeover or not, they already got the main event, signed, sealed, and delivered. Next week's episode, Tuesday, J.D. McDonough defeated Tyler Bate in a number one contenders match. Post-match, Ilya Dragunov came out to have a stare down with McDonough and Braun Breaker. On the 27th episode, there is a promo exchange with all three stars, and Dragunov wanted a title match, but McDonough took issue with this because he's the number one contender. Breaker came out. And McDonough suggested a match between Dragunov and Breaker with the winner earning the right to defend the title against him. Breaker threw out the challenge instead of a triple threat match with the title being on the line at Halloween Havoc with both stars accepting the challenge. It was previously revealed that the Halloween Havoc show would be a premium live event this year taking place on Saturday, October 22nd from the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. I hope to God it's not a fucking takeover because takeovers inside the Performance Center, that's a no-no to me. That's a big no-no. So maybe we do this next year with the takeovers coming back to full-fledged shows, being premium live events. Maybe we don't do it this year and we get our feet wet with this new NXT first and then at the turn of the new year, we do the takeovers. But, you know, Braun Breaker throwing out a triple threat challenge with Dragunov and McDonough. Sounds like to me that they're getting ready to call Braun Breaker up to the main roster. I don't know what else needs to be done with Braun Breaker on NXT. Carmelo Hayes already lost that North American championship. I don't know what they got going on with him, but he's already done everything he needs to do down there. He's ready to go. If he ain't challenging for the world title on NXT, then I don't know what the fuck you're doing. You're wasting that guy's time. Get him up to the main roster. Same thing with Braun Breaker. Going up against Ilya Dragunov, who never lost his world title on NXT UK, basically gave it up because of injury, Tyler Bate won that title in a tournament, which he lost in a unification match to Braun Breaker. You don't think Ilya Dragunov, you don't think Triple H is going to do Ilya Dragunov right and give him his world title back that he never lost? I could absolutely see this being the last match for Braun Breaker on the main roster, on NXT, before he goes to the main roster. I don't know. Carmelo Hayes and Braun Breaker are absolutely ready for the main roster, and this is why you brought all this talent from NXT UK to the States. So that you can fill those gaps when Braun Breaker and Carmelo Hayes eventually get called up. They are ready. 
any longer, and it's going to be something where it, it feels like they overstayed their welcome. So we will see what happens. I, I, I may, you know, I've been very hot and cold with the NXT reviews. If they're going over and flipping over the color, colorful logo to the black and gold, or what looks to be somewhat of the black and gold, I may have to be here for the Tuesday night show. I want to see. I will, de- I will definitely be there when they go back to live and they redo that performance center. I will be here to go over it all. To give you guys the in-depth analysis of NXT now on Tuesday night. Moving away from the colorful black and gold, uh, from the 2.0 to the black and gold. Or somewhat of the black and gold. AW Dynamite. Dynamite's ratings continue to go up. I don't know what is going on. But apparently people are interested in what's going on here with AEW. 1.175 million viewers. Best key demo since June. This was the highest key demo since June 1st, which was the post Double or Nothing episode, and the highest total viewership since September 22nd, 2021. AEW is thrilled. Tony Khan is over the moon, and TBS is absolutely over the moon as well with these ratings. Dynamite ranked number one in the cable top 150 shows for the night. And they were number two last week. This was the fallout edition. Uh, last week was the fallout edition from AW All Out. This week featured semifinal Grand Slam tournament of champion matches going into next week's Grand Slam show. This 1.175 rating is without CM Punk and the Elite. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what that means. But make of that what you will. Do we really need CM Punk? Is CM Punk a ratings draw? Now, I could see both sides of the argument. Do they really need CM Punk? I could see people saying no. Do they they need the elite? I could see people saying no. Do people honestly believe they don't need CM Punk, or is this all a manufactured process? All of this was manufactured because of CM Punk. Are they waiting for the fallout from all of this suspension nonsense? Are they waiting for this thing to be turned into television? I don't know. I don't know. How many people stopped watching the product when CM Punk came back to AW? It could be a telling tale. We don't know. I don't have the demographic figures on that or, or, or the analytics on that. How many people stopped watching because CM Punk came back? CM Punk is a very polarizing figure. Some people love him. A lot of people hate him. Same thing with the Bucks. You know, the Bucks. They don't really have a bad standing with the fans. Everybody loves the Bucks and Kenny Omega. Everybody knows how great they are. But how many people were turned off by all this shit? How many people stopped watching when you heard of all the nonsense in the locker room and you got this bad vibe about AEW and this mentality that it's a sinking ship, that it went down like the Titanic or it's going to go down like the Titanic? How many people stopped watching? Because they were frustrated that all of the backstage hijinks were taking over more so than the actual shit on television. How many people stop watching as Tony Khan is so hot and cold and up and down, left and right with all his fucking booking? Creatively, it hasn't been good either. Did you stop watching because of that? I don't know. But I can tell you this right now. Last week's show felt like a hard reset for the show. When they suspended CM Punk and the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, it felt like a hard reset on last Wednesday's show. We got down to basics. It was a bare-bones episode of Dynamite. A lot of people feel like the show has changed. This year, especially, a lot, of, a lot of people feel like the show has changed. It doesn't feel like it used to. Whether or not that's Cody Rhodes' influence going away and him not being there, 
Tony Khan having too much on his plate. The show did not feel like it did in year one and year two. Now, clearly, you're not going to have a year two like you had when you bring in Punk and you bring in Brian and you bring in Cole. All those guys came in in the same week. You got all out, right? 200,000 buys, and the ratings have been through the roof. And then Grand Slam sold out 19,000 people. They don't even have 12,000 people seated in that venue yet before this big show on Wednesday night. How many people stopped watching because of the feel that the shows did not feel like it did in year one and year two? Last week's show and this week's show felt like what the show felt like in year one and year two. You know, how many people stopped watching or lost interest in the show because Tony Khan kept bringing in surprise after surprise after surprise, and he was filling the roster up with WWE guy, ex-WWE guy here, ex-WWE guy there. How many of you were turned off by that? It may be exciting for a week or two, but how many people in the long term were turned off by that and by those decisions being made and that talent being brought in, with every talent that was brought in, it felt like AEW was losing its, its presence. It felt like AEW was losing control of that, their mission statement. You're making this show the same way you know WWE is. If I wanted to watch all these ex-WWE guys, I'd go watch WWE. I came to AEW to watch the Darby Allens and the Jungle Boys and the MJFs and, and all these, these Sammy Guevara's and, and everybody else. You know, Luchasaurus, all these young guys, the Lucha Brothers, Pac, Orange Cassidy. I came to AEW to watch this new talent. Not all this fucking ex-WWE talent. If I want that, I'll go watch over there. You said this was an alternative. Now, that doesn't really hold much, you know, nowadays. That's not really what people are pushing. You know, AEW is the alternative. Not with Triple H running things. Triple H is going to book the same way that Tony Khan is booking or present a show similar to what AEW is doing. We've seen more wrestling on Monday night and Friday night than we have in the last fucking five to ten years. So, how many people were turned off by that? I haven't been turned off. I think AEW on most weeks is a very good show, but it doesn't feel the same. And I don't know where they're going with Grand Slam, MJF, Moxley, Bryan. They need to get down to bare bones. AEW would actually be better, and they would do themselves better if they if they cut a lot of the fat off the roster. And we get a much more concise and rounded out show. You know, they, they put too much emphasis on, you know, quantity over quality. And this is why you have your Andrades saying something on social media about not being pushed and Malachi being creatively dissatisfied and Miro not getting on television and Wardlow sitting around with a TNT title when he should be one of the guys that they build this fucking show around. So on and so forth. You know, they, they would do themselves right if they trimmed some of the fat off that roster. And I don't know what's going to happen if the Grand Slam, but I, I feel like if we get back to doing what brought them to the dance in year one and year two, a lot of people will be happy and the viewership will continue to rise. So we will see what happens. CM Punk and the Elite. Apparently there's going to be a new development expected soon. In regards to their suspensions, Wade Keller spoke on PWTorch.com about how AEW is not having some of their top names available because of the backstage fight and how they've basically been erased until the investigation is complete. Keller said that he's heard that we will be hearing something soon because the silence on the situation will break within the coming days. 
Keller said, and I quote, I will say I'm expecting the silence to end soon as far as this goes. So keep your ears to the ground. And I will say there should be a breaking of the silence on this issue. I'll put it that way. Probably this week, but early this week. But I think most likely this coming week. No word on what this means in regards to the investigation and what's that about. Or if it's going to reach its conclusion with several of the people who were involved in the fight. They've had their suspensions lifted like a Brandon Cutler and a Christopher Daniels, like a Pat Buck. Guys like that had their suspensions lifted. So some progress clearly has been made. Depending on the results of the investigation, we can see some of those top guys back soon, like the Elite and Kenny Omega. In Punk's case, he's not coming back at all because he's out with nine months of injury. So he tore his triceps. He's not going to be back. So... Whenever I hear a development on this story, I will be giving it to you immediately as it breaks. So keep an eye on the channel. Kenny Omega. Apparently, some of the AEW wrestlers in the locker room are upset with Kenny Omega's comments during the talent meeting. This is coming from Dave Meltzer, who wrote about this, and a story surfaced in regards to something that was said by Kenny Omega in the talent meeting. This was the talent meeting before the one that Jericho, Moxley, and Brian led a couple of weeks ago. Meltzer said, Omega reportedly, uh, Meltzer says, gave the locker room a pep talk with some words that were said to be construed as tough love by some and others being irked by what was said. Omega reportedly said that he wouldn't have hired eight out of every 10 people on the roster. Meltzer said that he absolutely said this and one version of the story is that he was being comedic when he said it and he was looking at Will Ospreay when he said it. Omega reportedly said that he was just messing with Ospreay when he did say this. Ospreay and Omega have gone back and forth on Twitter in recent months, and it's clear that they are working to build an eventual singles match. That's where Kenny Omega fucked up. You're holding this talent meeting, and you're going into business for yourself, saying something like that, and looking at Will Ospreay, and egging on Will Ospreay for fucking storyline purposes between you and him, Meanwhile, this issue concerns the entire fucking locker room against something that the EVP or one of the EVPs of the company should not be embroiled in. He should be conducting business like a fucking professional and someone with an EVP title. He shouldn't be going into business for himself and being comedic during a serious time where the locker room is in fucking shambles. This is why I said, Omega and the Bucks should have their EVP titles taken away from them. If they're not going to be serious about being EVPs, then why the fuck are they EVPs? Tony Khan should put people that he trusts and know are going to handle the situation when this thing comes up again like EVPs. You're a goddamn fucking EVP, but you're making comedic jokes in a fucking locker room meeting that is supposed to rile up the company and get people back on the same page, and you're doing nothing but dividing more. I don't get it. What a shit take by Kenny Omega. Now, again, if that is the case, a shit take, we don't know. Who was in the locker room? Meltzer's reporting as if he was in the fucking locker room. Nobody knows what was said in this meeting. Nobody. However, others took what Omega said as serious, and they were upset about it, and rightfully so, if he did say it. Others who were there said that what he said was totally misinterpreted and taken out of context. Meltzer added that Omega also said that the overall energy and locker room at the start of the company was more positive 
perhaps in trying to create or recreate that time and place with the current roster. Well, you're not going to get there by saying that you'd fire 80% of the fucking locker room. Come on, man. Not a good look by Kenny Omega. So the Young Bucks, we got Kenny Omega out of the way. That's what he said. How are the Young Bucks viewed by talent and AEW staff after all this had happened at the all-out media scrum? Some news is expected, obviously, like I mentioned on the investigation, says Wade Keller. There are some punk fans who have defended his actions at the media scrum, but per Wade Keller, there are more people who he has spoken to who have defended the Young Bucks over CM Punk. During a recent PWTorch.com audio show, Wade Keller said that Matt and Nick Jackson are generally seen as good guys behind the scenes, and the feeling among those he spoke to is that they did not deserve to be called out in the manner CM Punk did during the media scrum. Uh, Listen, you can take whichever side that you want. Punk can feel however we went over this, but there is a time and a place to do it. And you're the world champion. You you, You should not be getting into fucking situations where you're out there burying your locker room and then the EVPs getting involved, EVPs getting involved in fucking a brawl for all with the world champion because of things that were said. And Punk, you know, you, you could look at his situation any which way you want. He can feel however he wants about Colt Cabana, but he made the entire media scrum and the entire night, which was a great night for AEW, about him and his fucking personal issues with Colt Cabana. Go take it up with somebody else. And Tony Khan, again, everybody's to blame here. The Bucks to blame. Omega's to blame. Punk's to blame. Tony Khan is to blame. Adam Page, at some point in all of this, even though he wasn't there, is at partial to be blamed as well. He's partially to blame as well. For him going into business for himself and, and him doing what he's saying about the fucking, and just adding on, instead of communicating with Punk and going back and forth like men, they acted like school children. So, some people defended the Bucks over Punk. Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson are generally seen as good guys behind the scenes, and the feeling among those that he spoke to is that they did not deserve to be called out by CM Punk. The Bucks are not seen as abrasive personalities. They are passive-aggressive. There are some aspects of that, but they're not seen as assholes. People who don't like Punk have more negative things to say than people who don't like the Bucks have to say about them in terms of their characterization. The Bucks might rub people the wrong way or not be their type of people or whatever, but they're not jerks and that took part, you know, in in this whole dynamic here. I think some people looked at Punk here and said, you might not like that they are not taking your advice or you might think, oh, that comment didn't need to be made. It's hard for people to imagine Matt and Nick deserving that kind of call out publicly in a context that should not have been about, that should have been about celebrating a world title win and a really good paper. See, again, Wade Keller even says it. Time and place for anything. He should have took it upon himself to talk about you know, the pay-per-view and winning the world title and John Moxley and what it meant to win the title back in Chicago and all this other shit. And Tony Khan should have been facilitating all this, but he just sat there like a fucking geek. So, yes, obviously, looking at this, it's not difficult to pick the Bucks side just looking at it head on, it's not difficult to take the Bucks side over CM Punk's side. But everybody was in the wrong. 
None of this would have been a thing if you go back several weeks and the comments that were made on air by Paige and Punk that Tony Khan just allowed to have happen on television, none of this would have happened if there was communication between everybody. It would have never gotten to a point with CM Punk blasting everybody if there was communication before all of this even happened. Nick Houseman is to blame as well because he continued to push the narrative and ask fucking ridiculous questions. And you knew Punk is going to be petty about it. You knew he was going to be petty about it. Asking about, oh, well, is it because of, you know, CM Punk that Scott Colton was about to be, you know, released or or his contract was not going to be renewed? Is it because of CM Punk? As soon as CM Punk fixated himself on Nick Houseman, that was it. That was the fucking, you know, the the bell. That was the dinner bell for CM Punk. That was it. He's to blame as well. Everybody's to blame here. The Bucks, Omega, A Steel, Punk all remain suspended until the investigation is concluded. Everybody's to blame. You should not be taking sides in any of this. Things could have been done better. But there's no reason to take anybody's side. Everybody's to fight. Everybody's a fucking asshole. Everybody was unprofessional. There should be nobody taking sides. Nobody. There's only one side. The right of running business and doing business the right way, which none of them did after all out. The Young Bucks reportedly respond to rumors that they sent out feelers to the WWE. Being the elite is on hiatus. No show until the investigation is over. This is not a surprise because the belief is that everyone that was involved in the backstage fight after All Out has been told to lay low since the investigation is launched and now needs to be completed. Everyone who was involved, including the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, A Steel, CM Punk, were sent home. Omega had a scheduled interview on Swerve Strickland's podcast. That's been postponed due to unfortunate circumstances. The Young Bucks WWE story that's been going around for the last few days as the rumor Goes is that they sent feelers out to friends in WWE. As previously reported, this rumor has been going around since August. One source told Fightful that they asked to speak with someone in management. The story originally came out when Ryan Frederick of the Wrestling Observer forums reported that the Bucks had contacted a WWE talent to inquire about WWE's potential interest in them once they become free agents at the beginning of 2024 when their AEW contracts are up. This is not uncommon and doesn't mean that they're interested in going to WWE when they are legally able to do so, but they can use this as leverage for a better deal with AEW when negotiations do happen between them and Tony Khan. Dave Meltzer noted on the Wrestling Observer Radio that the Young Bucks have denied this has even taken place. Of course they did. Why would they want to stir the pot more knowing that they're under investigation for a fucking unprofessional fight that took place after All Out. Now now this story breaks, and of course they're going to deny it. They're already in hot water by Tony Khan. They don't want to get in any more hot water with AEW management. So of course they denied it to the one guy that everybody says is on the AEW payroll to get this info out there. Yeah, this never happened. Please, Dave, put this out. We talked about the WWE story. The only thing I know on this is that they've said the story is not true. Now, Meltzer and Ryan Frederick clearly have different people that they know. 
Meltzer basically said, well, I didn't report it, and nobody that I know told me this information. This is completely on Ryan Frederick. But why would Ryan Frederick put his name out there on fucking Observer and make them look bad if the, if the source that he got this information from wasn't legit and the news wasn't legit? I don't know why he would do that to not only himself, but the Observer. It's ridiculous. Meltzer continues to say they talk to people in WWE a lot. That's not unusual. But time will tell on what happened and what's happening and everything like that. I do know that they've denied this stuff. Meltzer continued by pointing out one aspect of the story that he thought was weird. Comes down to Nick and Matt Jackson going through an intermediary after speaking with Triple H directly in 2018 before signing with AEW. This is where, this is where Meltzer fucked up. He's saying... Basically, well, why didn't they go discuss this? And why didn't they reach out to Triple H? What? They're under contract with AEW till 2024. Why would they go reach out and gauge interest from Triple H? That would be going against their binded contract to AEW. So I don't know why Meltzer even said this. Of course they're going to send feelers out there. They sent feelers out there for two reasons. One, it was to get themselves more money. They want to use this as leverage. Fine. Number two, it's basically, you know, if Tony Khan... Listen, the way I said it is, if Tony Khan sat there and allowed CM Punk to do this and throw everybody, including the Bucks and Omega, under the bus, he did nothing about it. From an outsider's point of view, you look at Tony Khan not doing jack shit when Punk is burying everybody... Because he's the moneymaker here, right? He's the number one guy. He's Tony Khan's number one dog in the company. If Tony Khan is allowing CM Punk to do that, he's basically, without saying to you, I'm taking Punk's side and I'm allowing Punk to do this because I'm on Punk's side and fuck everybody else. He wasn't man enough to stand up to CM Punk. So the Bucks and Omega, from an outsider's point of view, you look at that, they're probably thinking, well, whose side are you on, Tony? You're on Punk's, you're on ours. You just allowed your world champion, to go bury us, you know, the guys that basically started this place with your backing. What about us? So, yes, it's leverage. And, yes, I do think that it's more of a statement as well. Hey, Tony, don't fuck with us too much because we know people over there and we're not going to be afraid to go say bye-bye and jump ship to the other side. Who those friends are, I don't know. AJ Styles, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Cody, right? They got a lot of friends. Uh, Matt and Nick Jackson also know the uh, Kenny Omega, know the New Day, Kofi, Xavier, Biggie. They're all friendly. Who knows? Who knows? But why does it matter? Why is everybody so fixated on this? It's October, going on October 2022. They got all of this year and all of next year. Hopefully things calm down when things get back to normal here. And hopefully everybody's learned their lesson where this doesn't happen again. Hopefully cooler heads will prevail and everybody gets back on the same page. If you are about making AEW money and making AEW a bigger promotion, a better promotion than it has been, then you're going to let cooler heads prevail and you're going to make this into a story and make fucking money off of it. You want that rating to be better than a 1.175? You want it to be in the 1314? That's what needs to be done. You want AEW to grow? You need to grow up as men and stop being fucking children.
This will be a huge deal if everybody just lets it be. Punk needs to apologize. Bucks need to apologize. Tony Khan needs to get everybody on the same page. There needs to be a harmonious locker room. Can you imagine the amount of money and the feuds that we could get coming out of this? The one person I feel sorry for is MJF. Not once, but twice he got fucked over. A lot of people say, oh, well, he did it to, to, he did it to Wardlow. But I mean, you know, Punk was a detriment to a lot of people. And it's not a good look on him being a locker room leader and the reason why he was brought in here. The reason why he was brought in here was to make AEW better. Not fucking take AEW down to a point where people are fucking frustrated with it. And now we're going to jump back to WWE side. Details on several all-out suspensions coming out of the media scrum. We talked about this. They have been unsuspended. Their suspensions have been lifted. Pat Buck returned from suspension. He was backstage at Dynamite on Wednesday. We got Christopher Daniels. He was previously announced for some old Japan pro wrestling shows over the weekend. He was not at Dynamite's taping, but he has been unsuspended as well. Aside from Omega, Bucks, Punk, and Ace Steel, everyone is cleared. Confirmed no longer suspended. Christopher Daniels, Pat Buck, Brandon Cutler, and Michael Nakazawa. The investigation confirmed that all four of these men have been cleared from the involvement at All Out and consisted of trying to break up the fighting and calm people down, and that was it. Reports that any of them were involved in either fighting because of friends or involved in acting aggressive were deemed false. Good. So there has been some progression in the investigation, which is a great thing to see. Malachi Black. Let's shift gears to Malachi Black. Malachi Black speaks out for the first time being released from AEW, a conditional release from AEW. Malachi Black gave an emotional speech following a match at Prestige Wrestling's Perseverance event on Saturday night in Pomona, California. The report first came that Malachi, AW talent, believes that Black has been released from his contract. Then it was reported that he was given his conditional release from the company. This came first reported by Raj Geary of Wrestling Inc. His last AEW match was at All Out when the House of Black lost to Sting, Miro, and Darby Allin, and he was pinned by Darby Allin in the match. Following the match, Black took a bow, blew a kiss to the fans, and this led speculation that Black was saying goodbye to AEW. Earlier this month, Black was pulled from a Northeast wrestling event due to health issues. Black noted in his speech that he's looking to recalibrate himself at this time. And he says this, and I quote, and then he goes on social media and gives an even more in-depth response to what is going on with him. He says this at the live event. Look, on a real note, I understand that you all have questions. What I'm doing, where I'm going. Look, on a serious note, in due time, I will answer the majority of these questions. However, for the last 22 years of my life, I've never not once taken a step back and recalibrated my life. I took a chance to kind of look back at the stuff that I've done in the ring, but also the stuff outside the ring. I've never done that because I always have this attitude of like, you know, when they give the horses with the flaps on the side of their heads, so they can't look to the side. I've done that for my entire professional career because I had this one attitude towards wrestling, which was you have to think globally, not locally, because if you think locally, you're going to get stuck in one place. That applies to everything. By the way, if you want to branch out, you cannot be worried about 
the little things. You've all been fantastic. Please allow me a few weeks, maybe a few months to just recalibrate myself. I promise you this is not goodbye. This is just we'll see each other soon. And then he puts out a longer statement on social media. This actually happened tonight. He addressed rumors about his health, his marriage, and his AEW release. Firstly, thank you for all the messages. Know they are being read and appreciated. With all of the turmoil going on in the landscape of professional wrestling, you know, I took time to think of my words, but also needed to wait until conversations between mine and AEW's camp had come to a conclusion. Firstly, dislike uh, reading parts of my private conversations between myself and AEW in regards to my mental health and mental well-being on the internet. These conversations were private and not meant to be shared with the public. As by now, most people realize I am a very private person and do not feel the need to have stuff like this out on the internet. If you've been following me longer than a cup of coffee, you're aware I've, I've spoken about them prior, but would like to be the one deciding when this finds its way to the public and not through someone else's mouth. As with anything through the lips of someone else, the story gets distorted. Secondly, with a line or to be in line with the above, they also need context. I did indeed ask for my release. The last two years of my life have lended to a lot of setbacks. Both me and my wife have been affected by uncontrollable actions from the outside that resulted in loss of life, medical setbacks, career jeopardizing, the suicide of a close friend, and a close family member almost losing their life, then experience an injury, which I was sure was the end of my career. I spend every week going through several sessions of rehab, dry needling, and therapy just to be able to walk and compete. Now, this being the tip of the iceberg, and with the combination of the promises in my professional field that were not upheld, which resulted as a combination of all these to a complete demoralization of life and career, this decision has been in my mind for the past six months. It's hard to really put a finger and say, this was the moment it all went wrong. But can you tell after so many years that you've learned from a rational point of view to see when I need to hit the brakes, which is what this is? Perhaps once my mind settles on certain things and processes the last two years a bit better, you know, we'll convey via a different platform than ran out what the exacts were that happened and have a more informed conversation about them. For now, know that I am good and I am taking, for the first time in 22 years, a few months to recalibrate the last two decades of my life. Lastly, I've read a few narratives online in regards to my release, mental health, and my personal life that I can summarize swiftly. If it did not come from me, it did not happen. Stuff about conditional releases, stuff in my marriage, or using said mental health to leverage the other, when, as said before, that part wasn't even going to be part of the public conversation, are false. My marriage is fine. I am fine. It is just time to make sure those things stay that way. Once again, appreciate your support, and we will see each other soon enough. Malachi Black. I'm just going to get the joke out there before uh, we get into, basically, I don't really have anything else to add on top of this. This is, that's what he wanted to put out. That's what he wanted to put out. going to make a joke. Uh, yeah, Tommy, we'll see you at the Royal Rumble. We'll see you in the Royal Rumble, bro. Again, we don't know. We don't know how the release happened. What was said between AEW and Malachi. We don't know how long the conditional release are. What the conditional release entails. We don't know. 
None of our business. None of our business. We are fans, so we as fans need to stay in our lane. This is between him and management and him and his family. Whatever is best for him, he's going to go and do. A decision was made that this was the first time in 22 years that he's taking a step back to recalibrate his life. And he is owed that. He's given his body and his life to this business. And for him to walk away knowing that was a difficult decision, knowing that in this business you walk away, someone else is chomping at the bit to take your spot. But is it worth your mental health and your your demoralization of, of everything he talked about? Is it worth it? Everybody needs a recalibration at some point in their life. Everybody. People take extended breaks away from social media because of this reason and reason alone. A demoralization of their character, feeling depressed and whatnot. It's great to just take a step back from everything. It's great to just go on vacation and take you time and then get back at it when you've refreshed and relaxed. That's what he's doing. I can't imagine how you're on the road every single day, every single year for 22 years, and you got loss of life happening around you from family and close personal friends and you know you go up and down as far as the mental health thing and you're married and and you never get to see your partner all of this weighs heavy over the last 22 years and then you mix in he's got this great new beginning in AEW after being demoralized in WWE with Vince McMahon running the show he gets to AEW and really nothing has changed for him and the promises that he said Professionally, promises were made that weren't upkept. They weren't kept. Tony Khan basically promised him things, promises in my professional field that were not upheld, which resulted in a combination of all these to a complete demoralization of life and career. He leaves one place to go to another, and he's dealing with the same thing that he was dealing with at his old place in the new place. He wanted to step back. You know, he's a top guy. No matter what you think of him, he's a top guy. He's not going to be able to be a top guy and achieve what we know he's capable of. And to see him at the top, he doesn't take a step back and recalibrate himself. Get himself right mentally. Get himself right body-wise. Feel good. Get in a good place. Get to that happy place. He's a top guy, and he's a class act, and he's professional and does things the right way, according to this statement. I hope nothing but the best for him. I really do. Whether he goes back to AEW which the door is open. It's going to be up to him to go back. It's going to be him and him alone to make that decision. Does he want to go back? AEW hasn't really removed him from anything. He's in he's in video packages. I don't know if he's going to be in the video game. You know, he's still on the roster page as far as I'm concerned, right? Or is he not on the roster page? But whatever the case may be, the door is open for Malachi to go back. That Tony Khan would not want to lose Malachi. He knows what Malachi is worth. But... It was because of Tony Khan and him bringing in so many talents that the idea of Malachi got pushed to the back. The idea of the House of Black and bringing in Malachi got left at the table because he had to deal with everything else, with everybody else. It's tough. It's tough when that locker room is as crowded as it is. You're going to get a small piece at the table. You're not going to eat like you expect to eat. I don't know. But like I said, wherever he goes, we are going to support him, no matter what. But like I said, Royal Rumble would be a great place for Malachi to resurface in the WWE. 
Moving on. Jeff Hardy update. Jeff Hardy's getting closer to making an AEW return. Hardy has been suspended by AEW indefinitely without pay following his DUI arrest in June. After the arrest, he checked himself into rehab. Hardy was entered into rehab, and he pleaded not guilty to the charge of DUI and is waiting a pretrial hearing to take place in October. Rehab was something that AEW President Tony Khan wanted him to do before returning to the promotion. Tony Khan said he would not allow Jeff Hardy back until he knew he was clean and sober and took this program. In the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer reported, Jeff Hardy is expected out of rehab soon and back in the ring. Jeff's brother Matt recently teased on his Extreme Life of Matt Hardy podcast that fans are close to meeting the new Jeff, but they need to figure out his future and what he plans on doing. What the new Jeff is, who the new, who the new Jeff is, I don't know. So, Jeff Hardy back on AEW television. Actually, Jeff Hardy, we will see how long that lasts. I hope to God it lasts because Jeff Hardy is still a notable name and could give a little bit more to AEW. The Jeff Hardy that we got coming out of WWE to the, you know, promotion, AEW, it didn't really feel like Jeff. It, it didn't feel, I felt like he was, he was very, he was, there was something off about him. I don't know what it was, but it did not feel right. It did not. And Tony Khan, he did not take the Hardy Boys thing to be super serious. Hopefully, this is also going to serve as a reset for Jeff Hardy. I don't know whether or not I want to see the Hardys back there. I don't want to see the Hardys back together. I don't. I would love to see Jeff go and do Jeff things on his own. I think that would be fantastic. I think Matt Hardy's a little, you know, as far as Matt Hardy is concerned, you know, he's still able to wrestle, but... I don't know if I could bring myself to, to really invest myself in Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy together as a tag team. We'll see. We'll see. After this last run, I think it left a lot of bad taste in people's mouths. I'd love to see Jeff go and do what Jeff was doing in WWE. Maybe go after the TNT title. Maybe, you know, go after an All-Atlantic title. Singles-wise, I think he's going to be more valuable to AEW than in the Hardy Boys. Revolution. We got a planned location for Revolution 2023. Fightful Select is reporting that the company is going to a new location for the event. As AEW tentatively is looking at the Cow Palace in San Francisco for Revolution 2023. The show usually happens in February or March, but an exact date has yet to be determined at this juncture. This will mark the first wrestling show from the Cow Palace since New Japan Pro Wrestling did the G1 there in 2019. While WWE hasn't booked a show at the venue in over 10 years, and it's been 15 years since they've held television there. Until AEW announces the location, it is not official, as pay-per-view venues can change, uh, such as Full Gear did last year, and this year's Money in the Bank, and also Impact's Bound for Glory. AEW will hold its next event, Full Gear, on November 19th. California, man, I love. The only thing I'll say about this is I'm glad it's not Chicago. I'm glad to see AEW branching out and doing things outside of their comfort zone. They need to get out there and experience different places. I think the reception would be great, and there should be no more fear about running a California or a Seattle or somewhere else that is a major city that they haven't ventured off to yet. Tired of the same old shit. It's always Chicago. Always. Or Jacksonville. Let's get out there and start getting the brand 
into different markets. I think it'll do them good. And finally, guys, the Roman Reigns title situation on SmackDown is a little bit more complex than people want it to be going into WrestleMania next year. WrestleVotes reported this week that the situation involving Reigns being the top champion is said to be complex. The situation with the world titles and Roman Reigns is complex, according to sources. They would like to go into Mania season and WrestleMania itself with two champions. But they also don't want Reigns losing at all. I'm told Triple H and company are open to all things creatively here. Reigns retained the Undisputed Universal Championship over Drew McIntyre at Clash of the Castle, and Reigns is not scheduled to work Extreme Rules on October 8th. The next time he's defending that title will be against Logan Paul at Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia on November 5th. WrestlingNews.co previously reported that there are still no plans for him to lose the title this year. The plan when, when, when he won the Universal title in 2020 was for him to be the champion when he eventually wrestled The Rock. One source familiar with the creative process told WrestlingNews.co that Triple H is moving forward with the original plans for Reigns, and the idea is still for Reigns to, talk, to walk into WrestleMania as champion in Los Angeles. First of all, the Logan Paul situation, the Logan Paul situation, the fan backlash is hilarious. Because it really goes in line with what I said on Friday night. A lot of people look at it as a joke. Now, granted, you know, Logan Paul and Roman Reigns happening in Saudi and it being over there for Crown Jewel. This is what people are really using as an excuse. Why are you complaining about it? It's happening during a show that nobody really gives a shit about. Well, clearly WWE doesn't think of it that way. They're booking a lot and putting a lot of effort and resources into this Logan Paul versus Roman Reigns match. I mean, just look at the fucking press conference they did in Las Vegas for this shit. It was a complete event and spectacle all to itself. So for the people that are saying, oh, yeah, it's happening at Crown Jewel. It's it's a nothing event that nobody gives a shit about. You're a complete fucking idiot. Of course they give a shit about it. WWE gives a shit about it. If they're wasting valuable TV time to sell this story and build a fucking angle on SmackDown, why is it a nothing show? It's a nothing show, but you have no problem with WWE wasting our time to build this over the next six or seven weeks going into Crown Jewel, right? So I don't believe that as an excuse. The other excuse is, oh, Roman Reigns has no opponents. I don't know what the fuck you're watching, but clearly, you're not paying close enough attention to the actual product. They have opponents. They just don't give a shit when it comes to Roman Reigns in the title run. I said this on Friday. For anybody that says Roman Reigns doesn't have opponents, you're not looking hard enough. Open your fucking eyes. Oh, you don't want to waste any of those guys on Roman Reigns now. Why don't we save them? For what? Save them from an inevitable loss? Logan Paul can take a loss, but Bobby Lashley can't take a loss, or Kevin Owens can't take a loss, or AJ Styles can't take a loss, or Braun Strowman can't be, can't take a loss? The fuck are you talking about? Roman Reigns is not losing at all until he loses a championship or the championships. No, sh- 
He's got no shortage of opponents at all. Everybody's like, he's got no opponents. Bobby Lashley absolutely could be a top-tier opponent for Roman Reigns. Big enough to sell out Rehod, Saudi Arabia. Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman's best matches in his entire life came via a Roman Reigns feud. Why can't we do that again? You mean Braun Strowman's going to be back in the WWE to do what? What is he doing now? What are you bringing him back for? He ain't back here to win world championships, I'll tell you that right now. Braun Strowman is back and should be back to put other talent over. And he plays into Roman's past, so why not? Why not? AJ Styles. I mean, even if it's a one-off, I'd love to see AJ Styles and Roman Reigns. The matches that they had were fantastic. What about Kevin Owens? They've been teasing Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens and, and Roman Reigns. Whether or not that happens in Saudi or Survivor Series or Royal Rumble, whatever the case may be, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's going to be part of a bigger storyline because Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn more than likely will win those tag team titles away from the Usos. That's the story. Not Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns. Kevin Owens continues to say, Roman Reigns owes me one. So where is it? What does he own? Championship match. Seth Rollins is another one. Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns, not big enough to sell out Saudi Arabia crown jewel. Now, I get you don't want to do that match now. You don't want to rush that match now. But I don't want to hear Roman Reigns has a shortage of fucking opponents. I get why they're doing Logan Paul. I get why they're doing Logan Paul. I do. This is WWE. I don't know how much money they signed him to. But clearly they want to get as much out of him in the time that they have him. And they're not going to rinky-dink around by putting in matches with The Miz and this and that. They want to get the most bang for their buck. They want to tap into that fucking social media presence that he has on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok. They want to tap into the shit that he's doing on his podcast and in his professional life away from WWE. I get it. That doesn't make it right. That doesn't make it must-see. There's a lot of, this shit sucks, or this shit doesn't make sense. There's fan backlash because of this. Yes, and you should expect fan backlash. What we got from SmackDown was Logan Paul coming out, babyface, and the fans not believing a fucking word that he said. As soon as he said, you know, what if I challenge Roman Reigns for the world title? As soon as those words came out of his mouth, the entire segment went downhill, like a fucking airplane hitting the goddamn ground. It bombed. Nobody believes at all Logan Paul stands a chance against Roman Reigns. They'll make you believe. I'm sure it'll be entertaining. I'll be on here November 5th when we finish watching the show and we're live on YouTube. I'll probably tell you right then and there, it was an entertaining match. It doesn't make it any more, any, make any more sense, but it was an entertaining match. Yes, it's Saudi Arabia. They don't give a fuck. That's what they want over there. Fine. But it's going to be something that people look back on as far as his title reign, and they are going to attribute this as a joke. You have all these people on the main roster, and Logan Paul wrestled twice, once in a tag team match at WrestleMania, and then a singles, one singles match in his entire WWE career against the fucking Miz, and he's getting a world championship match. Why? Meanwhile, you have all these accomplished fucking professionals on the roster who have yet another opportunity taken away from them because of a fucking celebrity coming on in and being treated better than them. 
And he's not even in the business of pro wrestling. He's not. He's a fucking YouTuber. Coming on in, getting better opportunities than everybody that's there on a full-fledged schedule. That's why people are upset about it. People already chiming in. I thought Triple H was going to change WWE for the better. Sounds like Vince McMahon. Looks like Vince McMahon is booking this show. That's what it feels like. But it's also Saudi Arabia, and you expect this with these shows. We get it. It doesn't mean it makes sense. How is he getting a title match? How? Two matches, one singles match, getting a title match. There's nobody else, there's nobody else on the roster that's deserving of a title match before Logan Paul. It's stupid. And nobody really wants to watch. They want to watch professional wrestling. This shit's been happening since the dawn of time. WrestleMania 1 was built around Hulk Hogan and Mr. fucking T. I get it. But that doesn't mean we have to go back to 1983 to do the fucking shit that we did then in 2022. It sucks. It sucks. And it's a bad look. And the fact that they're trying to parade this guy out there as a baby face. I mean, you may actually, you know, Roman says he would never want to go back and be a baby face. But you're actively going to turn Roman Reigns here in the States into a baby face Going up against Logan. Logan Paul, theoretically, is a babyface. He's going to end up being healed. Nobody's going to believe a fucking word out of his mouth. They're going to actively turn Roman Reigns into a babyface because of this feud. Mark my words. That's what you'll see. It will be different over there. Everybody's going to love Roman over there. Roman is a beloved fucking athlete all across the world. He's going to get his cheers. He's going to get his booze. But Logan Paul's going to get cheered as well. So it may be different there compared to here. They love everything over there. You can't do no wrong over there, man. Forget about it. They love everybody over there. They never get something like this. Twice a year now since WWE's been going over there. Twice a year they got this shit. They love it. But that doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it right. I don't want to hear these excuses. Stop giving me these excuses. WWE's ratings are going to be up. Social media presence is going to be up. I don't give a fuck. You as a fan should not care about the analytics side of WWE. I don't give a fuck what their TikTok numbers are. I don't give a shit what their YouTube numbers are or what their Instagram numbers are or what their fucking uh, likes are, all this shit. I don't care. And neither what their stocks are, I don't care. And neither should you. And you got people out there parading around thinking that this is the most important. Gotta look at the WWE business side. <laughs> no. Now, you're a fan. You're a fan. Unless you have majority share in the stock, shut the fuck up. Seriously. It doesn't make it right. They could do better. And what they did here is embarrassing. It really is. It's just a bad look. Publicity's great. Spotlight's great. It'll be picked up by TMZ and fucking E! Network and all this other shit. ESPN, whatever. I don't give a shit. It looks ridiculous. It does. Now, the title situation being complex. Logan Paul's not winning the world title. I would be shocked if the match lasts 10 minutes. The title being complex is not really all that complex. You want Roman Reigns to be undefeated going into WrestleMania. You want to have two champions, but you want him to not take a loss. Fine. Fine. You could do two things here. If you want two champions, if ultimately they want two champions, what they need to do is very simple. All you have to do, and this is what I would do, 
This is what I... The, the report said they want him going into WrestleMania, into WrestleMania as champion. But you want two champions. Fine. What we're going to do is either one of two things. Number one, you strip Roman Reigns of the WWE title. Strip him of the world title. Strip him of the WWE title. Oh, but J.D., that makes the WWE title look less than. I don't give a fuck. Roman Reigns has not defended the fucking title since he's won it at WrestleMania and hasn't shown up on Monday Night Raw, but for one fucking time. Take it away from him. What difference does it make? Are you really going to sit there and tell me, oh, it makes the title look less than? It's less than on him now. Monday Night Raw is less than now. Take it off of him. What do we do? You want to take it off him now? Put it on the line in a tournament. You want to wait? Put it on the line in the Royal Rumble. Make the Royal Rumble for the WWE Championship. That's how you build intrigue. I would love that. Last time we seen the WWE Championship on the line. What year was it? What year was it? It was WrestleMania 32, wasn't it? When Triple H won the world title? Inside the Royal Rumble? That would be fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Time before that was 1992 and Ric Flair winning the 1992 Royal Rumble, which is the greatest Royal Rumble of all time. Have Seth Rollins win the WWE Championship. Have Seth Rollins win the WWE Championship inside the Royal Rumble. Have him win the title and Cody Rhodes win the Elimination Chamber. And Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins is your night one main event of WrestleMania with Cody Rhodes winning the world title from Seth Rollins. Simple. Now, that's one thing you could do. Again, I don't want to hear, oh, it's going to make the WWE title less than. The fuck are you talking about, bro? What are you talking about? The other thing that I would do, and this is what I would prefer. I want Cody and Roman. If WWE does not get The Rock, again, this all stems from The Rock. This all stems from The Rock. I don't know. I don't know where The Rock stands. We may not get The Rock. All signs are pointing to The Rock. There's a feeling in the air that we're going to get The Rock, right? If we get The Rock, we're getting Rock and Roman. It doesn't need to be for the title. They think it needs to be for the title. I don't think it needs to be for the title. Cody wins the Royal Rumble. Challenges for the WWE title. He's the one guy that comes out and says, listen, I came back here to win the WWE title. You've done nothing with the WWE title. You haven't shown up on Monday Night Raw. I'm taking that title from you at WrestleMania. Again, depending on The Rock. If they get The Rock, that's your night two main event, Roman and Rock. But if Cody wins the Royal Rumble and challenges for the WWE title and challenges Roman, have Roman versus Cody at night one in the main event, and then Rock and Roman in night two for the Universal title. But JD, you can't have Rock and Roman night two with Roman losing the WWE title and taking a loss to Cody Rhodes going into his match with The Rock on night two. Who gives a fuck? As if losing to Cody Rhodes is a bad thing. Losing to Cody Rhodes is going to make him look less than going into the match with The Rock? Well, what a way to fucking disrespect Cody Rhodes. Uh, yeah, Roman is way too good for Cody. He can't lose, but if he loses, he's going to be less than going into the match with The Rock. Give me a fucking break. Losing to Cody Rhodes is now a bad thing, according to the geeks online. Oh, that's not going to work. You have to have him win. So take the title from him. 
There's a way to do it. They want two champions. They don't want them to lose. Take the fucking belt from them. What's so complex? You ain't doing jack shit with it now. It doesn't make his matches any more must-see than what they are now. He's a world champion. It doesn't matter if he's holding two belts or one belt. It doesn't matter. His matches don't have any more added prestige or importance with two belts compared to one. So take the fucking belt from him and put it on the line in the Royal Rumble. That is what they should do. Or option two, which I just mentioned, Cody beating him on Saturday and him beating The Rock on Sunday. Does The Rock need the universal title? The whole story, the whole point of this Tribal Chief storyline was for him to beat The Rock and be the head of the table. Then he can continue holding the Universal Championship if you want. Have him hold that belt for 1,500 days. I don't give a fuck. Who cares? It's not as complex as they're making it seem. The answer is very simple. And if you just think about it for a second, the answer is right there. That is all I got, guys. That is all I got. We're going to go over the Super Chats in just a second, man. We got seven new members tonight. We got seven new members tonight, man. I appreciate you guys very, very much. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Hit that thumbs up. I see 940 likes, 2,200 people in the venue, man. I need 1,000 likes minimum tonight. On OTS. Tonight's show sponsored by my great friends over at Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. You guys are going to get yourself a free sample of their service by using that coupon code at checkout. Confidence can take you guys far in life, man. It also can help in the bedroom, especially when it comes to stepping up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew gets involved, man. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets, and it comes at a fraction of the cost. You guys can take them anytime, day or night, so you guys can plan ahead and be ready whenever that opportunity arises. Sign up at BlueChew.com. Consult with one of their licensed online medical providers, and once you are approved, you're going to receive your prescription within days. And the best part is it's all done online. No visits to the doctor's office, no waiting in line, no awkward conversations. And Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA, and they are prepared and shipped directly to you in a very discreet package. Guys, I always talk about first impressions, man. You know, first impressions are very important. You only get one. But what about lasting impressions? Not only are you going to have a good first impression, but you're going to have a lasting impression. That's going to lead to more and more and more of that confidence. So if you guys can benefit from that extra confidence, why not give Blue Chew a try, man? That's BlueChew.com, code JD at checkout. Make sure you guys go to their website for all the details and important safety information. That's BlueChew.com, code JD at checkout. And I want to thank them for once again sponsoring the podcast right here for episode 444 of OTS. Let's start at the top, man. We got uh, Lord Jay Coyle. Oh, my goodness. I wonder if Jay Coyle actually got himself an established title. Which days will you be in Ireland, and will there be a meet and greet? Hoping I can make it over there. I don't know yet, bro. I don't know if there'll be a meet and greet yet. I'll be there the middle of October. 
I will let you guys know. I don't know if that's going to be a good place to do a meet and greet, man. I don't know how many fans I have from Ireland. I really don't. We will see. Do I have a cat? Oh, yes, I have a cat on there. I was like, what the fuck is underneath me? Uh, during General, Vitor becomes a two-month member. Thank you, Vitor. JD, thank you for your incredible updates almost every day. I go to work every day listening to the podcast. Must Much love and respect from Portugal. Thank you, Vitor. Ali with a two-month membership. Thank you guys for the recommitment, man. JD, I just want to say that you're my favorite YouTuber. I always enjoy listening to your off the script. It makes my day better when I struggle at work. Thank you, Ali. I appreciate you finding some uh, normalcy and some peace in the podcast, bro. Happy to hear it. Luke Mamo. 25 months. Luke got himself a golden microphone. Oh, my goodness. Hello to the Off The Script family. Hope you're all doing good. Sorry if I haven't been on as much as I like. Been going through hell lately. Luke, we appreciate you, bro. Cheers. And everybody throw up the prayer emojis, man. All my VIPs throw up the prayer emojis for my boy Luke Mamo. Appreciate you, brother. Lewis S. becomes a new member. Lewis, what are you drinking tonight, brother? Michael Evans with a $5 super chat. Hey, JD, just wanted to show my love. I'll watch this in the morning. The Bears are playing the Packers tonight. Go Bears. Enjoy the show, fam. Thank you, Michael Evans. Joey Avalone becomes a new member. Thank you, Joey. What are you drinking tonight, bro? PMAC with a $5 super chat. Yo, JD, any word on Santana's AEW contract? What do you think about going... What do you think about him going to WWE and being managed by Zelina? It can be when she was with Andrade. I, I like that. I like that idea. Uh, I don't know when his contract is up. Bro. I don't know what's going on with his contract. I don't know if his contract is frozen in the time that he's out. I don't know. But he definitely wants to go solo. And uh, wherever he goes, we will be supporting him because we love Santana. Paul Van Tassel with a $10 super chat. Wednesday was my 43rd birthday and celebrated it today with my mom and sisters and my friends. Happy birthday, Paul Van Tassel, 43 years old. Everybody give uh, some birthday cake emojis for Paul Van Tassel in the chat. PMAC with another $2 super chat. He says, thank you. Thank you, PMAC. Sidro becomes a new member. And also has a $5 super chat with a joke tagged along with it. Hey, JD, money's been rough, but I'm able to come through with one joke today. You're the best. Heart emoji. Who is a pirate's favorite superstar? Ah, truth. That was a good one, Sidro. That was that was a $5 well worth spent, bro. Ah, truth. Darius Moore, 14 months. Thank you, brother. Nick Williams, five months. Thank you, Nick Williams. Angel Alaga with nine months. Great streams as always, JD. Hope Jesse feels better. Can't wait for Moxley versus Danielson. Should be great, bro. Grimsley with a $10 super chat. Opinion on Katana Chance and Caden Carr. I like them. 
Not bad. I'm glad that they won. I'm glad that they gave them the run with the tag team titles over Toxic Attraction. I've always been a fan of Casey Cotton Zara, and I think they are a pretty solid tag team, better than most of the main roster. I, I do think. I think. Well, I mean, they're very good friends. They're best friends in real life. So, I mean, you got that working for you. It's going to work out. Trez Duran becomes a new member. Trez, what are you drinking, bro? Lewis S. with a $10 super chat. I'd like to be a fly on the wall and see if Vince McMahon is having a mental breakdown with all these changes. LOL. You know, Lewis, it's interesting to know what he's thinking, but at the end of the day, I don't give a shit. I don't. It's time to move on. It's time to move on, man. Jamel Turney with a 199. I hope one day we will hear shock the system again. We'll see, bro. Triple H loved Undisputed Era. Linda Carter with a $5 super chat. I hope Ronda gets better at promos before Becky gets back because a babyface Ronda, a babyface Becky will get under her skin just like their last run. Just my opinion. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, Becky, you know, Becky's going to be a babyface when she comes back. They took her and Triple H said something along the lines. Becky talked about it on a podcast somewhere. Triple H said that they were shrimping upstream in regards to Becky Lynch being a heel. Like, you're better as a babyface, so we're going to turn you back to being a babyface. Becky didn't give a shit one way or the other. It was basically it was basically Becky saying, yeah, what Vince McMahon did, we just went along with it because it's Vince, but yeah, you're right. I'm all for it. Let's do it. Becky as a heel was atrocious television. Terrible. Quizzical one with a new membership. Thank you, Quizzical. What are you drinking, bro? Philip Newton with a $4.99 super chat. I'm just glad they are getting rid of the recycled Coke and Pepsi can tag belts. Yeah, we need new titles all around, bro. We need two new titles everywhere. Up and down the roster. Trayvon with a 199 Super Chat. Why isn't the NXT and WWE Women's Tag Team titles unified? That's a great question, Trayvon. It's a great question, bro. NXT does not need tag team titles. The main roster doesn't need tag team titles, but they should absolutely be unified. And the, the Women's Tag Team titles should be on the main roster with the option to go to NXT when they want. Jeremy, 2006, with a 13-month membership. Get him out! Glad to be part of the OTS family. Just pre-ordered COD. If you want a beta code, 2014, Bray back, please. Uh, I uh, have the beta. Um, I do not like it. I think it sucks. Uh, I think they... Infinity Ward is like Vince McMahon. They, They do not listen to the audience. Everything that the everything that was wrong with Modern Warfare 2019 is somehow still in the fucking beta. I don't know why. I don't know why. Visibility sucks. The fucking camera zooming in when you fucking gotta respawn. Why? Why? No dead silence. No mini map dots when people are firing their guns. They don't understand that if they brought it back to the way it was, the game would flow so much better. Instead, you got people fucking. Crab walking and slow walking around corners and nobody moving. It sucks. It sucks. 
Dead silence is not a perk. You don't get ghost as a perk until fucking two minutes left in the goddamn game. Fuck off. Cliff Goat. New membership. Thank you, Cliff Goat. Lewis S. with a $5 super chat. What am I drinking? Coronas. As long as it's cold, Lewis S., that's all that matters to me. ECW Hardcore 07. Can't wait for revolution. I'm going two hours from house. Also, I'm getting in my city of Sacramento. Also, can't wait. Cats for life. Thank you, ECW Hardcore. I appreciate you, bro. Kratos with a 26-month membership. Kratos, thank you so much, bro. Got hurt while working a few weeks ago, and I'm still waiting for my workers' comp paychecks, and I'm not cleared for work still. Hopefully you get that. Hopefully you get, uh, hopefully you get back out there soon, bro. I'm sorry to hear that. Hopefully it's not too bad. King Mo Jackson with 199. Stop him out and show some love, bro. Thank you, bro. Furious Nation. What's up, JD? $20 Super Chat. After reading Malachi's Instagram post, I'd be lying to you if I told you I didn't shed a tear after reading it. Hope that man gets help and the help he needs. Hoping we hear Root of Evil at the Rumble in San Antonio. There's a good chance we may get that, Furious. Teddy Love with a six-month membership. Ice cold, iced tea, and watching the king. Thanks for what you do, JD. Much love. Thank you, Teddy Love. I appreciate that, brother. Elf win. 10,000 in Chilean pesos. Hi, JD. It's been seven years since the guru, Eduardo Bonvalle, has left us. His legacy and his passion lives on in his son, Jean-Pierre Bonlevé. I resonate to him because of the honesty he gave like you. Thanks, JD. Al Fuen, I appreciate you, brother. And thoughts and prayers to the guru, Edward Bonvalet. Kyle L with a five dollar super chat. JD, don't hate me. But what did Jay-Z call his wife before they were married? Fiance. Get well, Jesse. Miss you and your tacos. Mustangs rule. Tony Brown with a 199. Bailey or Lions. Best assets. Can't go wrong with either one, bro. Probably Nikita Lions. And Furious Nation with a $10 super chat. Also, after reading reports of Triple H bringing back people that aren't talking about, who could you see being unpredictable? John Morrison, Tegan Knox at the top of my head. Yeah, I could see both of them as well. Absolutely. They could, both of them use resets. And D. Bastardo. D. Bastardo with a $5 super chat. Wrestling creators stop lazy booking and handing out title shots. Number one contender matches. Go to work and build interest in these divisions or get the fuck out. You ain't wrong there, bro. You ain't wrong there, bro. And yes, Furious, you know, I forgot about Tegan Knox. I'm thinking about Tegan Knox right now. I'm, that's a good one, bro. I don't know how that one slipped my mind. But that's what we got here for, bro. Tegan Knox would be great in the women's division. As long as she can stay healthy. Guys, what a show. Thank you so much for a great podcast tonight. I love you guys. Isaac Smith with a five. You're ruining my flow, bro. Thank you. Easy A with a 499 Super Chat. Isaac Smith. Saul Sokoa delivering the spinning Uranage is a thing of beauty. My favorite in the bloodline. It's a great move, bro. All the simps punched in the air right now. After Mandy Rose gets engaged, you rock as always, JD. Get him out with a 499 Super Chat. And D-Bastardo. With that $2 Super Chat Wednesday, if you come in late, I'm going to yell, get the fuck out. 
Now, I'm not coming in late, bro. Guys, thank you so much, man. Hit that thumbs up. Thank you for the memberships. Thank you for the super chats. And I'll see you guys tomorrow for Raw with another great week of content right here on Off The Script. I'll see you guys later, man. Thank you for everything tonight. Enjoy your Sundays, and I'll see you Monday for Raw.